Hi, I'm Mark Renner. This is Victory Over Sin. My name is Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. What we attempt to do at the first part of this show certainly is to tell you who we are and what we're trying to do. More importantly, who's paying for it. Uh, Victory Over Sin is actually funded by an advocacy arm of St. Vincent de Paul of Southwest Idaho. And what we attempt to do is to share with you, the general public, what it's like to be incarcerated, to come out of incarceration, and to live on parole. We do that in several different ways, but certainly one of them is this radio show. The radio show has been going, can you believe it, for just a little over five years. We've been doing this. We do it on a weekly basis. If you're interested in hearing any of the past shows, you can go to KBXL uh, website and look up uh, the archives of uh, Victory Over Sin, and all those shows are listed there. We're really proud of the people who have been on the show. There's been governors and all sorts of state officials uh, all elected officials, uh, some elected officials, certainly every director of the Department of Corrections, uh, all sorts of groups who work with people who come out of incarceration. We've got individuals who came from the institution, actually came to the show, didn't talked about their first day experience. We got one gentleman who actually was going right back into incarceration, and his last stop was here at the radio station. So go back and take a look at that. We're proud of that body of work. I think if you don't know anything about the Department of Corrections or how that operates here in the state of Idaho, it will give you certainly some insights as to how that works. Uh, In addition to that, we also do a PowerPoint presentation that we're happy to bring to your church group, to your business, or to your gathering, if you will. The great thing about this, it's a 20-minute PowerPoint, and it is led by a returning citizen themselves. So they will share the PowerPoint and then be there to answer questions about what it's like to attempt to survive on uh, parole after incarceration. We don't do that as much as we used to because of COVID, but we're looking forward to doing that in the future, certainly as the new norm sort of works out whenever that's going to happen. If you've been listening to me for a period of time, you know that we've expanded some of our services. We are now located in two locations where we greet people on the first day out of incarceration. The main location is at 3217 Overland in Boise, Idaho. We love for everybody who relieves incarceration every day in the state of Idaho to come see us. Uh, we'll help you out with vouchers for clothes, head set you up with food, and uh, many of the other resources that are there. The great thing about my staff there is that everybody's been incarcerated, so we certainly understand what it's like for you to come out of incarceration. Uh, in addition to that, we have an office now in Canyon County that's located inside District 3's Probation and Parole Office. So that is available over there if you're going to the Canyon County area. That office is actually open 10 to 2, Monday through Friday, and the Boise office is open 9 to 12. In addition to that, if you are in the desert right now and no one is there to pick you up, there are not family in the state 
or you just need a ride through the first couple of days of your release into community, have your case manager send me an email and we will actually pick you up, bring you to the office and kind of take you through those first couple of days as you transition back into community. We love doing that. It's becoming more and more a part of that. If you're a case manager listening to me, you can go to the webpage for St. Vincent de Paul, which is www.svdpid.org. And on the right, there's a green button that says Request Pickup, and we will be happy to assist you with that. I'm excited to have with me uh, on the phone today a guest who I really like, and I know you will. She's one of those pioneers, if you will, in terms of working with people coming out of incarceration and working in addiction, and we'll be right back to talk to her in just a second. Idaho has an incarceration rate of 761 to 100,000 people, including prisons, jails, immigration detention, and juvenile justice facilities, meaning that it locks up a higher percentage of its people than any democracy on earth. Compare that to the United States' 664 people per 100,000, Canada's 104 people per 100,000, and Norway's 54 people per 100,000. What about our parole system? In 2019, Prison Policy Initiative graded each of the 50 states for their parole system. Idaho received a grade of F. How do we change this? We need your involvement, and we need your story. More importantly, you must tell it. Your Christian voice can support the need to change. Reach out to us and get involved. At the end of the show, Mark will share his contact information, or you can call the radio station, KBXL 941 The Voice, and ask for links to Mark Rank. Okay, safe to say that the uh, lady who uh, I get to talk to today is one of my favorite people in the state of Idaho. That's that's an easy. It's Rebecca White, and Rebecca White's a returning citizen, recovery coach, and advocate. And I'm so happy to have you on the show with me today, Rebecca. How are you? You know, I'm fantastic, Mark. Thank you for asking, and I really appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity to share, you know, um, my success um, after incarceration because it, it is possible. I've kind of watched Rebecca from afar for a few years now, and uh, she's in Pocatello, kind of in that eastern part of the state. But, you know, she has this energy that you just can't miss when you're in a room with her or you see her at a group. And uh, you're also now associated, I didn't say that, with Moonlight Mountain Recovery, aren't you? Uh, Yeah, right now I am currently the Assistant Executive Director for Moonlight Mountain Recovery. Um, We have seven facilities um, across the state, soon to be nine, as we're opening two more just within the next, you know, month and a half. Um, We bring bring the ability to serve a pretty underserved population, you know, individuals that have Medicaid and things like that. They're able to um, actually stay on site at our facilities, um, which are upper and homes, um, and then they're able to receive their partial hospitalization treatment while they stay there. We provide medical detox and uh, co-occurring treatment as well. So yep. you it's guys, pretty awesome. You guys started with just a few, it seemed like a few years ago, and you've really grown, so you must be doing something right, other than attracting quality people to work for you, right? Yeah, um, so we, we started out in 2018, um, and now... We have uh, we've opened four more facilities just in the last year alone, um, and you know it's 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 kind of bittersweet because it's sad that the the job is never ending, um, and it's sad that the, the waiting lists are always full. But it's also a great thing because now we can we can serve. Right. You know we can't open houses fast enough. That's good. It's actually a good problem to have. Tell us a little bit about 
you in terms of how where you're from and your background? Yeah, so originally I was born and raised in Boise, Idaho. Um, I got in, into my first trouble in Boise, Idaho, and uh, also my most recent <laughs> my most recent trouble has been uh, <laughs> just outside of Boise uh, in, in Idaho Falls area. Um, and I've I've been in trouble in five counties. You must be so proud. And Five counties. That's impressive. Well, I tell you, I mean, it doesn't look really great on a resume. So, um, you know, unless you're unless it's a recovery coach resume, and then it looks fantastic. Well, I was <laughs> we were talking before we went on the air, and I um, I can tell you guys who are listening that I was so jealous. So much of us who work with uh, certainly people who are in um, having trouble with facing their addiction, as well as people coming out of prison. You can there's a site where you always look go to the iDoc site and you look people up. And so I was looking up Rebecca today before the show, and next to your name, it always says who you are and, uh, and and what you've done, kind of, and where you're from. But next to you, it now says pardoned, and which is, and I thought, wow, that is so cool. First of all, there's thousands of people on that site, and not too many of those have pardoned. So congratulations. So you went from 73764 to pardoned. Tell us a little bit about that work. I know it was intense to get to that spot but tell us a little bit about that absolutely i'd love to so yeah i love that you mentioned that my idoc number is 73764 because when i tell people that nowadays they're like oh my gosh and that's then right i think that's, that's why i think that's one of the reasons i like <laughs> it so, i'm 749 um, myself so oh. <laughs> yeah so so i think you know um i i like to call myself an og no mm-hmm. i'm just kidding so um you know, the reality is um I, I had a lot of a lot of doubtful people, um, a lot of stigma, um, a lot of things that I over you know had to overcome because my my criminal history, my charges were kidnapping, robbery, and possession of a controlled substance, and that all happened in one night, you know. Um, and I was I was definitely you know I was high on drugs and I was under the influence of alcohol. Um, it's definitely not something that I would have done as a sober person, you know. Um, but I tell you, when you commit crimes like that, it's, it's very difficult for people to look at you in a different way. Because when, when you look at that on a piece of paper, that's what you become, you know. Um, and the stigma that's attached to that, people think we don't recover, you know. And, and we even think we don't recover. We, we get ourselves so far down that, you know, we beat ourselves up and we think, man, I'm not worth it. And so a lot of us don't even try. We go back. We recidivate. We go back, you know, we go back to what's comfortable. Um, because sobriety is not comfortable. You know, addiction recovery is not comfortable or else everybody would be doing it. It, it was just, it's just one of those things that we actually just have to face the fears and we have to stand in the face of adversity and say, I'm not going to give up because I was told no for that government pardon prior to my gaining that, you know, um, and I do, you know, I had to come to the realization that I did owe my society and my community a debt. You know, I had caused a lot of toxicity, and it was really difficult for me to get out of the mindset of, oh, it's the police's fault, or, oh, it's my, you know, my mom and dad's fault, or, oh, you know, all these things. I can blame, I can blame other people, but the reality is, like, the stuff that happened to me as a kid is not my fault, but my recovery is my responsibility. And if I stay in that stuff, then that's what I'm going to manifest in the future. You know, so I had to change my thinking. I had to change the way I viewed things. And then I had to allow people in the system to help me because I didn't trust the system, especially not, you know, probation or parole. Their their whole goal was, 
you know, to lock me up. And that's the mentality that I had was that they, you know, they were there to lock me up. But those were the people that were actually trying to help me. Right. And you had, you were going, one of the reasons to go for the pardon was you needed the credential that you couldn't get unless you were pardoned, correct? And so that's a, that in itself is a fairly scary thing to say. That's okay, I'm going to fight against this and put myself out there even more and say, no, I want to pardon. Isn't that, isn't that the case? Yeah, absolutely. So after I became a recovery coach, um, I went to school. I, I was working for drug court, and I went to school to become a, a CADC, which is a, a certified alcohol drug counselor. And um, I couldn't take the test because of my criminal history, yet I could work with the population because the Department of Behavioral Health had given me a, a waiver. They had granted me a waiver so that I could work as a recovery coach. And so I was super frustrated. I almost gave up. But, you know, I, I, I didn't. I persisted through all the stigma. And, and last year on July 7th, I was granted a government pardon. And just Monday of this week, I turned in all of the paperwork to get my SUDA, which is the step before you get your CADC. Good for you. And, and, and now... I, you know, I've started school for healthcare administration, and the last, you know, nine years of my life, I've worked in the addiction and recovery field because it's something that I'm passionate about. It's something I believe in, and it's something I know a lot about. I, well, you know, and people see to themselves like, like God has been so good to me, and I, I know that there's a lot of people out there that are afraid of the word God, but the reality is, it's something greater than myself. You know, it, it's something so great that I should be dead. You know, after especially after watching my children's father, you know, be killed in front of me in a high speed chase, you know, over over my drug deal, like something that that I should be dead. You can always mention God on this show because it's a Christian radio station, and not enough people do it. But I think what I want people to kind of get a grasp on is the fact is that it really took that determination, that faith to take that step forward and reach out to something that was fearful for you and is fearful for all of us to go forward and say, I'm going to, doesn't matter what that piece of paper says, that doesn't matter what the rest of people think about me, I'm going forward because this is the direction that I know I need to be in. And that's, that's very powerful. Yeah, I know that I'm not what they read on that paper. I'm not that person. You know, that, those are things that I did. Those are crimes I committed. Those are diagnoses that I have. You know, the mental health and the addiction, those, those are diagnoses that I have. That, that doesn't define who I am as a person. Right? It's that just a matter all, of symptom treatment now. And I also think that's you know? also the quiet thing that nobody ever talks about because I know that people that come into my office on a daily basis, they're usually fresh out of incarceration. So in the back of my mind, they're thinking, boy, I messed this up. I did this. This is my background. Uh, I've got this offense, this offense. I'm never going to overcome this. And But they can, and that's why your story is absolutely so powerful. And that's why, frankly, you know, I think I like the, your story so much is the fact that you do address this. You do say God's an aspect of it. It isn't necessarily something that I just toughed it out and kind of made it and didn't talk about it. It's almost like you have to bring that out in the forefront and mention it and then give credit to God for giving you the strength to go forward. 
Absolutely, because every door that I have walked through has been opened unto me. I haven't had to submit, like I, I've only had to submit resumes when, when they've requested them because the doors have been open. I've been recruited. I've been asked to go here. I've been directed to go there. I've been, you know, State Hospital South, the places that I've worked. You know, it's, it's amazing the things that I get to be a part of these days. You know, I sit on the board of directors for one of the recovery centers. You know, I've forgiven a lot of the people in my past that have done harm to me. You know, I wish them well now. They're in my prayers. Um, you know, I want to see people succeed because I, I know I can. And I know that, you know, it doesn't, it, what it is is no matter what we've done or how far down we've gone, you know, we were not created to fail. We were created with purpose by God, you know, to to be able to succeed. And that, that path, once we get out of our will and stop trying to drive the bus and we surrender, you know, the will over, then things can really, really happen for us, yep. you know? Yep, I totally. You interact with a lot of people on a daily basis. I interact with a lot of people on a daily basis. And I know that that attitude it drains energy from me. Does that drain energy from you? And if it does, what do you do to kind of keep it going? So I, I like, I call it spiritual fitness. So I go to the, I don't just go to AA and, and NA. I am vetted in the 12 steps. Um, that's where I really found, you know, my conception of God and, and what that is for me. Um, I also go to the gym for my, for my mental health. You know, um, I work on my physical fitness and then I meditate and I pray and I help others because that's what helps me with my spiritual fitness, you know, because recovery is holistic. There is no lines. It's not linear. You know, um, we're always going to have adversity. We're always going to face things. But the reality is we just have to get up and recognize it for what it is. Okay, this is this is something that's negative. How am I going to get through it versus sitting in it? You know, babies even want to cry when they want their diapers changed because they're intelligent enough to know that that's uncomfortable. You know, and I think that that's a perfect analogy because when we are uncomfortable, you know, we need to we need to make a change. Yep, I totally. You know, we need to communicate that. How many people pick up on that and go with that, or what are your? Uh, is that something that's easily for people? I find it difficult for people to understand that concept. Do you find that? Or is it just, are you just the light in the room when you're talking like that? No, usually people laugh when I tell them that analogy. You know, they're just like, <laughs> they, they just laugh. Um, but the reality is, Mark, I think <laughs> at the end of the day, we, we, are, we are on a ticking time scale. We, like, we have a limited amount of time on this earth. If you really think about it, we only have, you know, if we're lucky, 75 summers, springs, winters, and falls. And how many of those am I going to waste? throwing my life away and I had to make a change. I had to I had to ask for help. I had to allow people to help me and I had to make that change. And I just had to stand up in the face of adversity um, and say, okay, you're telling me no. To me, that's a not right now. It doesn't mean, you know, if I would have got the things in my timing rather than in God's timings, then they wouldn't have been meant for me. Right. That's true. I always, uh, when I used to sell stuff, I always say, I would apologize to customers on saying, because I'm so sorry that I wasn't able to convince you that you needed to make this decision. Uh, I apologize for my behavior, but it's almost the same thing. You're trying to come up with different ways always to be that positive energy that people can pick up on and at least plant that seed that says, you know, that guy was goofy, but maybe he had an idea that I should consider. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I, I think that, um, you know, recovery has to be fun. 
you know, I, for me, drugs and alcohol for a period of time, they were fun. And um, that's what attracted me to that because it was an escape. You know, um, once it stopped being fun and it became a, ne- a necessity, you know, it wasn't fun anymore. Then it was a full-time job. And it was draining and taxing, but I kept doing it day in and day out with no payoff. Right. How do we find uh, similar people and build coalitions around this issue and around this uh, mission, if you will? So, you know, I I find people in recovery everywhere. I'm I'm a very recovery-positive person, so I share my story wherever I go because you never know who's struggling. Um, You never know who knows somebody or who has a son or a daughter um, or a sister or brother who's struggling, you know, I share my story wherever I go because it's inspiration. You know, that's my goal is to inspire people to to want to do better with their lives, to know that they can, to know that they have the work. And, and if you want, you just have to reach out. I think the recovery community centers, there's nine of them in the state of Idaho um, in nine different counties. So, you know, chances are if you're getting released to a different part of the state, then, you know, there's a recovery center near you. Um and I think that those are a great way to get linked in. Um, I think that your what you do for the reentry population is a fantastic way to get to get in. Um, there's so many programs out there that are for people like me, people that have felony histories, people that um, have made different you know choices in their life that have made themselves you know unmarketable to employers or you know even their families. There's a lot of resources out there. And, and one of the best places I know is the recovery centers to get that. No, I see. I, I, I believe that. We, we certainly link to people. And the, those, of, those people that we do pick up and put on buses uh, towards your area of the state, are, we're always handing them a brochure saying, connect here, connect here. I think you're right. Those, those centers are the places that are the key situations. And I think every once in a while I need this kind of feedback that we're making some progress. And yesterday I was in a meeting in, a let's say, a county that's near Ada County that's a smaller sort of county and they were just in shambles because they didn't have absolutely anything. And it, 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 um, number one, it was sad, but number two was also, Hey, we really have made some progress in the last seven or eight years in terms of what we put together. And we really are building a coalition. And I think that's for me, that's God kind of saying, that's okay, Mark, we're still doing it. Get up and keep going tomorrow and then get on the radio and talk to Rebecca tomorrow and it'll be okay and we'll go farther. You know, if that makes, if that makes sense. I need those kinds of, I need that feedback almost on a, on a daily basis. So it's, that's important that I do that. Do you, do you, do you see those things in your daily life? Oh, absolutely. The, it, it, it's about unity. And I think that um, one of the greatest things was, you know, I, I relate it to addiction a little bit because when I was out using, I knew a variety of people where to go to get what I needed. And I think recovery is the exact same. Um, you know, you have to change people, places, and things, um, but you already possess the skills, you know, um, especially if you're in recovery from drugs or alcohol. You, you, you know how to get to know people. You know how to get what you need, right? And, you, you, you know, it's like we weren't afraid to ask for it at 3 a.m. or go find it or, you know, go get it or whatever we were doing. Um, and it's a matter of if you put as, like half as much work into your recovery as you did your addiction, you're going to find yourself in a really good spot. Right. I totally agree. That's a, it's, a, it's a good analogy. I think we are also in a situation, we're taping this a few days before we did this, but I'm going to an event tonight that I never would have heard of with probably the top nine people with the Department of Corrections are going to be there at a dinner that 
we've invited to him and uh, to think that that would have been uh, something that would happen eight, nine years ago, I would have said, you've been crazy, but they're all coming to talk about uh, supporting people from coming out of incarceration. So that's, I know we're making some progress, but it's, it's too slow, don't you think? I think the IDOC has come um, such a long, long way with the JRI that they did. You know, um, they, they really are starting to look at things so much differently. Um, and, and I think that that's helped the community to look at them differently. Yeah, I think so um, IDOC played a huge, huge part in my success. I had, you know, um, some fabulous female probation officers that were absolutely nothing but supportive um, and nurturing and caring, and their whole goal wasn't just to lock me up, you know, and it had it had to be them that helped to change my mentality, you know, but I had to let them. So that if you're listening to us as you're driving around or if you're in the desert, understand that this really is in some ways a, a changing, uh, emerging, if you will, Department of Corrections who's really there to kind of support us. I'm sounding like I'm a, a kind of a big supporter of IDOC, but there really are some good people at the department now, and we're making some strides. We really are. We're actually getting to go inside the institution, which you never would have thought would have happened years ago, and we're in there now doing all sorts of neat stuff. So, uh, And there are people like Rebecca over in uh, eastern Idaho who are making a super, super impact, and she can attest that there are dozens of us who have been incarcerated who are doing fabulous stuff for people coming out of incarceration. So I'm a big fan of you, Miss Rebecca, and thank you very much for being with me this this afternoon. Thank you for allowing me. Hey, you know, yeah. God bless you. God yeah. bless anybody listening. I really, really, really appreciate it. Yep, she's a good one. Uh, thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Good luck on your expansion with uh, uh, the, the, the Moonlight uh, Mountain Recovery. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Jesus, there's victory. All the chains that were holding me kept me locked in captivity. Have been broken by grace so free. When He poured out His cleansing blood, motivated by His great love, give me faith I need to rise above and sing a song of how I've overcome. I've got victory over sin Bringing peace to the fight within Give me strength, I need to start again I've got victory over sin Okay, you, if you can tell, this lady is special um, and uh, it's really one of the best parts of my job is to be able to run across and interact with people like Rebecca. I watched her from afar, I think, when I met her in 2016 and I've just watched her progress and we've become friends over a period of time, and it's really special. If you need to get in touch with me, I'm pretty easy to do. It's You can talk to me at systemicchangeofidaho at gmail.com. You can send me, we're actually on Facebook, Systemic Change of ID. We're on Instagram, Systemic Change of ID. Man, you can even call us on the phone if you want to at area code 208-477-1006. I look forward to talking to you next Saturday afternoon on Victory Over Sin.